Come on up, Abner. <clears throat> oh, you're going to use. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Be seated. Great to be with you today. Hey, I know people are. We kind of all have different things we're gravitated towards, but I just uh, came from Europe this week, and I just want to let you know that people around the world pray for our nation. They're particularly praying for our president. Some of them kind of called me aside, like, hey, what do you think about Trump? So, because <laughs> there's still propaganda inside the church. The ele- I don't know why I'm saying this, but the election of President Trump was like this. It is God's choice with all its dysfunction. It's like the church. <laughs> so, so just because I say it was God's choice doesn't mean I uh, consent to everything he does. I mean, like, I got people in my family. They're still my family. I love them with all my heart, but they're still part of my family. So anyway, so... People around the and, and uh, around the world, people watch what God is doing in the United States, yeah. and um, so part of the, you know is America in the Bible? No, but it has truly been set up as a city set on a hill. It's a great experiment, mm-hmm. and the. the uh, America, to, I don't know why I'm saying this, just get up here, but America to me is a picture that not all belief systems are created equal. And what I mean by that is it's not like God loved America more than he loved Africa, but when you have a certain belief system, it creates a certain society. And so this society, though not perfect, it's kind of like people, like if you're looking for perfect people to change the world, they don't exist. I'm reading this book on Luther right now, and I'm really getting fascinated with this guy. And he, his, the more you read, he's, he's not attempting to start a reformation, but there comes a place in there where he's like, I can't back down from this truth that I believe. Most people who change history, they're reluctant at doing it. You always want to get nervous around the people who, who want to be something. <laughs> Usually means they're not ready, but uh, I don't know why I said that. So the world is changed by imperfect people. So anyway, real quick, I don't know, you just get up here, say stuff, but people are praying for America. We have a resource table back there. Um, Every year the Lord gives me a word going into the new year. This is our word for 2018, obviously. It's not just for 2000. So the the audio message is there and also the written uh, message Prophetic intensive, we did this a few years ago, Ruth and I. Uh, if you uh, are like a seer, this will kind of help you because about seven years ago, I, God unlocked something for me in the realm of seeing. It's really radically changed my life. And uh, yeah, prophetic clinic. So we have all bunch of series on the table. If you buy everything back, just 30% off, not really trying to, we're just trying to get into your hands you can prophesy to your dog if you listen to everything back there. <laughs> Every, you know, if you're charismatic, everything's prophetic, right? <laughs> so let's just pause for a moment. Today is a really good day, and it's already been said. 
So, Lord, we honor you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you for everything you want to do. And uh, thank you uh, for the ability to see into the future and to create the future with you. Lord, thank you that this is a, a gathering of eagles in this room. And we thank you for the, the, the angels of the Lord that are here. And we thank you I just see this room right now, it's, a, it's like a chamber of revelation. And there are angels assigned here that as you'll grab what God is saying, it will add to your life. And your life is like a, a staircase, and the Lord is desiring to take people from glory to glory and from faith to faith. But the Lord says this morning that a key part of connecting with, other, with going from faith to faith and glory to glory is a connection between people. And the Lord would say it is a new day for the state and the church in North Carolina. There have been separate streams and separate sounds, but the Lord says they're coming together as one mighty sound in this season. I don't know why I'm thinking about that gathering they're having in Raleigh in September, and it's a prophetic sign. It's a prophetic sign of one sound coming together. And the Lord says, I am breaking through the disunity and the dishonor streams have had for each other in the body of Christ. And I'm joining people together, even as they are here, because there have been one eagles, but the Lord says the eagles are going to fly together in this season, and they're going to honor their differences, and a breakthrough will come. And the Lord would say a sign to this great state will be that it will be multiple races gathering together. The whites, the blacks, the Hispanics, the Asians, the Indians will come together as one, as one voice. And the Lord says, do not think it's strange the day you've gathered here together, for today is uh, not only a starting, but a pioneering of a great work that I'm doing in this state. It's a pioneering of young and old coming together so that the prophetic spirit would come. And the Lord says, I'm moving the church in North Carolina from a little cat to a roaring lion, and my people will roar once again. No longer will they be intimidated by spirits in the, the spirits of this age, but they'll speak to the mountain and it will obey them. And the Lord would say, I'm raising up a righteous people in the earth as never before to do the works of the Lord, to display the works of God and to exhibit the kingdom of God upon the earth as never before. Make no mistake about it. You live in strategic times of the purposes of God. And the Lord would say, make your time on this earth count. And I am stamping you even today, says the Lord, with eternity. And the Lord would say, there is a five-year window of grace over this nation. There's something significant about the next five years, says the Lord. I'm about to expose corruption. I'm about to expose lying spirits even at the high... 
even in Raleigh, says the Lord. I'm going to expose corruption, and I'm going to expose what's been behind even the evil that's happened in this state. But the Lord says, I'm going to take, I'm, it's going to be in Raleigh, but it's also going to be in Washington, D.C. And the Lord says, I'm connecting networks of intercessors on the East Coast as never before. I'm connecting them for the purpose of united prayer, united intercession, and united declaration. And the Lord says, Be very guarded with your mouth in this season, for I'm putting weight, 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 great weight on the words my people speak, for what they'll speak will happen. And the Lord would say, there is an acceleration of the purposes of God. And the Lord says, there are Abrahams gathered in this room. There's Abrahams gathered in this room who you heard prophetic promises 20 and 30 years ago. And the Lord would say that it is that season of fulfillment. Landon, you're one of those. You've had a promise. You've had three specific promises for many years. And I know this, but this is also part of, I saw this really clearly for you, Landon. The Lord says, I'm going to unlock Ireland to you as never before. And I'm going to use your voice to, to, to use your voice and your sound to reawaken that sound that was there in a previous generation. And the Lord would say, in this season, prophecy won't just simply be about spoken words, but they'll be about sounds that are released. And the Lord says, I'm going to elevate the people of God in this season to a glory, a great, great glory that the world has never seen and will cause many in the church to fear the things of God as never before. For there is a a great grace, says the Lord, that I'm releasing to the body of Christ in this season. It's a grace to no longer hold on to the ways of man and even humanism. The Lord says there are messengers about to be released in the earth. They are some, but the word of the Lord will come for cities, regions, and nations and will bring about not only significant change, but great change in the church. I just keep having the sense it's like the Lord's going to like roar like never before. <laughs> just lift your hands. There's a, a grace to, there's an increase of prophetic anointing for every person in this room. Now! Whoa. Hey! <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Whew. And I felt this before I stood up. There is specific grace for, there's already people in this room, you're called to write books and you haven't been getting started. Just stand up right now. There's an anointing right now to just receive it by faith, the grace to write the book that God's put in your heart. Someone in this room, you've never even wrote one book, but there's three books in your heart. So I just bless you to receive that in Jesus' name. Grace to write. It's kind of funny. The Lord says he'll be your writing coach. It's a good word. There's like a release from my right to the left of just the fire of God. 
So Lord, just thank you for the fire. We embrace the fire, God. So Spirit of Truth, just guide the next few moments. Be glorified. Amen. Amen. Just be seated for a minute. I just want to share with you real quickly, uh, just as a declaration that God is really developing and releasing a remnant of New Testament prophetic people in the earth the world has never seen. And um, obviously, I think someone else is going to cover the difference but, uh, between office of a prophet and uh, you know, just being prophetic, but every New Testament believer is supposed to be prophetic. By virtue of you being born again, you're called to be a prophetic person. And the prophetic nature is a fundamental aspect of our DNA, of how we were created to function in the earth. Prophetic insight is essential, not only for the existence of believers, but is actually essential for the health of the earth. Really, really important. When the, when the, when the world when the church fails to actually do what God's called it to do, the world suffers. And so obviously two verses, and I'm going to move quickly on this. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, where there is no prophetic insight, people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. John 16, 13, now New Testament. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you, what? Into all truth. I like that. You don't have to be ignorant about anything. Never ever say you don't know how to do something. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will what? Tell you things to come. So I've had this thing in my heart for probably five, six years about this prophetic lifestyle that God's called us to, and I obviously I don't have time to talk extensively on that, but I want to give you some characteristics of a prophetic lifestyle. Here's the first one that I I believe is is extremely important. We live in a word-governed universe. Like, you can't get around it. I don't care if you don't believe it, but the word, the words govern this world. Just like you jump off a, a, a dock today and into the water, you're going to sink. Words govern your world. So you, you, can't, you can't change that. The only thing you can change is if you're going to choose to live by the word of God. You don't get many amens for that. It's still true. You can't escape the power of words, but you can choose which words you live under. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Jesus modeled this life of speaking words that were given to him as his part of his divine mission, which, in which he reshaped the world. Uh, probably five, six years ago, no, more than that, I don't know, just a while ago, let me say that, a while ago, the Lord spoke to me, he said, I want to teach you how to live a life governed by my word. When you're governed by my word, you live a life without limits. You live above circumstances of life. You live governed by my perspective, and I like this. You can, re- you can be at, rice, at rest despite the situation. 
In these coming months and years, I'm going to teach a whole generation of people to be governed by my word and who, who, who move from the dictates of heaven and not of earth. Teaching my people in this season to no longer be earthbound in this season, but be uh, bound by the dictates of heaven. Here's what Jesus said. I, I, I've, been, uh, fascinated, I've been meditating on a number of things, but one of the things I'm really med- meditating on is this statement in John. I want to meet John. Like, if all you had the book of John, you're good to go. (laughs) But it actually says about Jesus in Scripture that he learned things. I want to suggest to you, if if Jesus learned some things, we got some things to learn. I get real nervous around people who kind of act like they got things figured out. (laughs) Longer you walk with the Lord... Longer you really need to lean into him. Yeah, come on, man. But one of the things I've learned in, 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 Jesus, in, in, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teaching you stuff, what you know sometimes is a hindrance to where God wants to take you. So he said this, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but what of the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. What I should say and what I should speak. Why? Words govern your world. You got something out of order in your life today? Just start speaking what God said about it. You're like, well, I don't feel it. It has nothing to do with your feelings. Feelings have nothing to do with most of life. I know that's like a big thing now. Well, I just don't feel like my feelings are being, you know, like, it doesn't matter what you're feeling, you know? Anyway, that's a different story. We live in a very Dr. Phil-ized culture. No, it's not that we dismiss people's feelings, but a lot of times you got to tell people your, your feelings don't have anything to do with what's going on right now. Anyway, moving on. Second thing, the ability to see and hear and speak is a fundamental aspect of our, our, of our God-given authority that he delegates on the earth. Uh, I've I probably said this before, but I think it bears repeating is that um, on three separate occasions, probably like eight years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, the future belongs to those who see it, not as it is, but as God intends it to be. The future belongs to those who see it, not as it is, but as God intends it to be. It's important. It's, it's one of the, the key aspects that you see in the sevenfold function of the Spirit of God, Isaiah 11. He will not judge by the sight of his eyes. So we're not supposed to judge by the sight of our eyes because the unseen realm is supposed to control the seen realm, but it's the world system only sees the seen realm. So your ability to apprehend how God sees something and manifest it is one of your keys to manifesting God to the world around you because they're all moved by what they see. Prophecy is a fundamental building block for the purpose of individuals, churches, cities, regions, and nations. I use the word purpose because purpose is really important. Purpose is a fundamental human need. I believe one of the things that the Lord wants to teach the people of God is to know how to meet human need. Because we are asking questions the world is not asking. It gets quiet when you say that, but it's just true. The world does not care about your shofar, about your anointing oil, about how many prophecies you got right to that person next to you. I'm, I'm, I'm for all that stuff. No, believe me. 
I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't try and be, you know, different or I never say weird. I'm normal. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, right? Jesus cast out demons. Now we have entire church cultures built around making people comfortable in their demons. Well, you just want people to be comfortable. No, I want, to be, I want them to be real uncomfortable in their demon. I, want, I do. I want to love everyone, but I don't want them comfortable. I'm believing. No, I, I, I'm not going to say that. Just leave that alone. Purpose is a fundamental need for every believer. God has never assigned individual humanity to be, humanity to be mediocre. I've been, that's one of the other things I've been noticing in Scripture. When God speaks to someone or gives them a dream, it's never about being average. It's like Joseph's dream is not like, hey, you're going to be completely average. I've never talked to a leader. No, I'm serious. That's why socialism is so demonic. Let's all be average, <laughs> except the people on top. <laughs> We're not going to be average. <laughs> that was not a political statement. That was a biblical statement, if you're wondering. But I never met anyone like a pastor or leader like, yeah, the Lord told me, you know, he really wants to give me like five people in my church. We're going to suffer paying the bills. Like, I've never told, I've never met anyone who dreamed of being mediocre. I'm not saying there won't be seasons where you start all that stuff, but no one dreams of being mediocre. It's a big part of us learning how to minister to people is understanding the human need. Because we, I mean, eventually you want to get there, but most people don't serve Jesus just to serve him. Just be honest. <laughs> it gets quiet when you say that. It's just true. I'm serving him because it's the right thing to do, but also I'm getting a reward for it. Then Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees a father do. Let's stop right there. I've been meditating on that too. Because Jesus had a will. But his positioning as a person on the earth, as a man in right relationship with God is, I'm not doing anything beyond what he says. But he's got a will. That's the New Testament approach to God. Whatever you say, I'll do. A lot of people are going to be very disappointed in heaven because their opinion does not matter. Like, you imagine Jesus starts talking about tithing in heaven? I'm leaving. This ain't right. Where are you going now? Why, like, why would you want to go to a place where he's in charge of everything if he's not in charge of anything now? <laughs> I'm just, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. That's it. God, whatever you want to do, I want to do. Prophetic people, here's a third one, have a high honor for the word of God. 
Here's the brilliant thing about the Word of God. The prophetic word or the word in Scripture brings, has all the power to fulfill itself. I was talking with a, a friend of mine, and um, they're looking for a building now in Switzerland, and uh, he's like, I don't have a budget for it. I said, you got something better. You got the Word of God. I wish I knew that years ago when I started out, but now I know. What did Mary say? For no word from God shall be void of power. If God has called you to do something, the power is in that word to do it. That's a good thing. You don't need to, you don't need to manipulate anyone. You don't need to, you know, the, the great thing about God calling you, if everybody leaves you, you still got God. A fundamental aspect of the prophetic lifestyle is our character. Here's some thoughts on character. Character is the aggregate of features and traits that form an individual nature of a person and the qualities of moral and ethical quality. Character is an internal belief system that is carried in our behavior. Our character as a diplomat of the kingdom of God should be well known. And what I mean by that, I, I've realized that if someone ever asked me to do something immoral or unethical, I've already lost the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean by that, it, it should be known. Don't go ask him doing something like that. He's not going to touch that stuff. <laughs> what was the charge against Daniel? He prays too much. Our character as a diplomat of the kingdom of God should be well known. Now, this is, this is important. Authority in our sphere of influence is God-given for every believer. Every believer has authority to do what God's called them to do. Really big part. But this is also an essential part. Our stewardship of our character is what establishes our authority as a lifestyle. Really big deal. Character is a container of our gifting. Gifting can only be maintained as, as, a, as a lifestyle with proper character. The development of our character. The development of our character is obviously a lifelong journey. An inability to, de- to develop character causes us to be bankrupt in our relationships. Trust is a currency by which we're able to effectively minister in our sphere of influence. You, you know, there's like a, a cultural saying like, like, well, he's a good guy, but you can't believe anything he says. No, then he's not a good guy. It's like saying, it's like saying God's, God's the God of love, and he's a and he's so be trusted, but you can't, you know, he's a God of his word. Trust is really important because God always forgives you, but trust can only be developed through our ability to have character. The greatest thing anyone gives me as a minister of the gospel is trust, not money. You lose trust, it's game over. It's like, you know, God forbid if if, if someone does something immoral, their their spouse can forgive them, but that trust needs to be developed over time. Here's what I've learned in the development of our character. God allows our character flaws to be exposed and opportunities for development are often come in the environment that we're in. Uh, maybe I've told this story before. Maybe like um, uh, 
over like 17 years ago, I was uh, in graduate school. I know I look young. I get younger and younger every day. <laughs> Got to believe that by faith. But I, I was in an environment, and I remember the first week I was in this environment, I knew it was going to be challenging. And uh, you know when you're being, you think you're being spiritual, but you need a Holy Spirit spanking? No, it's true. So I was like, God, I don't need to take this. I'm a man of God. And the Lord says, that's right, you don't need to stay here. But if you don't stay here, I can't do certain things in your heart that I want to do in this season. Quick story, though. I wasn't satisfied with the Lord speaking to me. So I went to a, a pastor and a leader, and they listened to, you know, I made it sound as bad as I could. <laughs> so that's what you do when you're looking for sympathy. <laughs> I'm a very honest person. So they looked at me like, oh, that's pretty bad. But I think God has something for you. The devil is a liar. No problem. Big church. I went to another pastor on staff. <laughs> you know, you can get real biblical about your own dysfunction. Multitude of counselors. You start using scripture to justify. So I went to another pastor and he says, you know, that's really bad. But I think God has you there for a reason. So I was going for one more. Went to my dad. <laughs> Went to my dad. Because surely he wouldn't want his anointed son to be abused in a workplace like that. My dad's a great man. Very excited. He told me. No, I ain't going to say that. Get mad at if I say it. I'm going to tell you because I'm so excited for him. 70% of the money he's making now is going to church planning. God bless him. I got lots of treasures stored up in heaven through inheritance. But he said, you know, that's really tough, but you committed to work there. And sometimes in life, we have to do difficult things. So I stayed. And I never knew why anyone would ever want to shoot up their workplace until I started working there. <laughs> I never thought of myself as a violent person until I went, no, I'm serious. You, you think I'm joking. There's... And I made it, though. I cried the last day I worked in that place. I got my degree early because God just said I had to stay till I finished my degree. I finished as quickly as I could. <laughs> I got my master's in 11 months. They're like, you're graduating again? And I said, yes, the Lord is faithful. <laughs> and you know what? One of the first people I ever worked in full-time ministry was about eight times as difficult as that person was. And I realized if you can't take criticism on a daily basis for somebody close to you, you're probably not even close to being ready for what God has for you. Because if you really, I'm, I'm serious, if you really want to walk out the purpose, it's again, I'm not, it's like, I'm not like, some people are like always looking for enemies. All my haters out there. No, you don't have any haters. <laughs> you just got some character flaws that people pointed out to you. <laughs> so like, I'm not looking like, but when you really, I'm telling you, it really takes a bold person to walk out the purpose. It's not a wimp. 
Ain't no wimps in the body of Christ. There's too many. And there's too many people teaching you to be a wimp. It's okay. You know, so, no, it's not okay. You kick the devil out of your house, kick the devil off your children, get your family right. You know, like, it's not okay. Too many Christians tolerating little giants in their house. And they call, well, you know, this is how life is. No, life is for you. So here's, here's another story. Just, so what I'm saying is often our environment helps locate where we're at in certain things. When you think somebody makes you angry, God's just telling you, you have an anger issue that you need to deal with. But they just make me so mad. No, mad comes from here. I was at JFK eight years ago, and I had gone to a good friend of mine's wedding, and I'm up very early. I'm flying to another country. And the agent uh, there that morning was very rude to me. So I, I acted in the same spirit. Me, not you. And I was right. I was right. But I was so wrong. And I remember walking away thinking, there's something really wrong with me. So this is where having relationships around you are really important. When I got home, because I was in a closed country, got home, first thing I did is call a good friend of mine. I said, this is what happened. And I've repented before the Lord, but I want to put this before you. I never want to do that again. Never did it again. Wanted to a few times, but I didn't. (laughs) I did real good last night at the restaurant, too. (laughs) I ain't never heard what you're ordering. It's on your menu. (laughs) Can I have a name for the order? Abler? No, Abner. Anyway, I did good. So your environment helps to locate character flaws. Here's some questions. Do you strive to do all things well? These are questions about character. Are you a person of your word? This is a really big deal. Often people who are not people of the word, it's not that they want to intentionally violate their word, it's that they're insecure. And they can't actually tell you no in front of you, so they'll tell you either they'll pray about it or they'll do it, but they have no intention of doing it. The people who tried to come to the meeting today are not here. (laughs) So are you a person of your word? One of my goals is, and I certainly haven't arrived in it, God, I want to be... I want to be a man of my word, like you're a God of your word. You never miss it. Do you learn to effectively communicate? Do you handle conflict well, or do you get passive aggressive? Have you learned to forgive quickly? Here's a really big one, because we're always learning, right? Do you, do you maintain a childlike heart? That's a big one, too especially when you're around a lot of teaching and stuff, because there can be this little propaganda thing is like, we've heard this before. So that's a little kernel that the enemy's trying to put in your heart to not be teachable in that moment. Ruth gives the same word over and over and just never changes for him. Well, maybe you need to hear it and receive it properly. 
are you open for feedback from others? That's a really big deal. Because I know leaders that are like, oh, yeah, I'm doing really good. I was like, yeah, everyone's afraid of, to tell you that you got an issue. <laughs> so sometimes if people won't give you feedback, it might be because you haven't created an environment where you're open to feedback. Or the last time somebody just tried to bring up a slight thing to you, jumped all over them. Have you asked God for understanding for root causes of the lack of character? So this also goes to, to relationships. Do you have, an, do you have a, a heart to develop relationships with other people? Do those close to you feel the ability that, that they can be honest with you? And here's some characteristics of a person of character. The person of character has an identifi identifiable value system. Here's another one. A person of character knows how to honor even when they've been dishonored. That's a key part of walking with God. Third one, a lifestyle of guarding your heart and the tongue. Allow, here's another one, allow circumstances to be learning experiences. I jokingly say, it's like, well, I got to practice patience and self-control today. Here's another one. Enjoys the journey and allows patience to have its perfect work. Enjoy where you're at in your life. Should have said amen to that, but that was a good word. Really should. Here's another big one for, for us as people. We, we must be delivered from trying to be famous. And having to let everyone know what we've done in the kingdom. There's nothing wrong, listen, there's nothing wrong, especially if I do conferences with other people. We, we want to be honored for our giftings. We want to be honored. That's part of walking with each other. But we have to be delivered from that being something that, uh, how, how do you say this, uh, makes us feel accepted. Yeah. And here's my last point. The reason I, I, I felt like the Lord wanted us to touch on character today is God is forming a people of great character to change and shape nations. And it's only character that can sustain us with the ability and the God-given grace to actually change nations. I have a deep longing in my heart that I live with every day, and I'm just one of many people, that I believe that the power of the gospel is actually supposed to change nations. Part of the reason that you must, as a believer, believe God to be blessed is because it's a sign to the nations. It gets quiet when you say that. But, but here, here's what I mean. Like, there's, there's two, there's a kingdom of God that we get to live here on earth, and we're supposed to be people who live completely different than the world system and can bring people an invitation into what's available in the kingdom. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that I don't got any issues with my mind. Taste and see that everybody in my family is healthy. Taste and see that when the economy's going down, I got more than enough because I serve the God who owns everything. I know that's right. And I just want to end with this, land the plane here. 
I, I think I said this at the Southeast Conference here, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to repeat it because I think it's really important for us. I'm releasing grace to my people in this season to have unprecedented wisdom and understanding for the times and the seasons in which my people live. I saw an angel of the Lord in the earth that is sent as a ministering spirit to bring wisdom, understanding, and revelation to my people of opened and positioned heart. I see a chest in heaven that God wants to give the people in the earth that will cause them to be distinguished, noticed, and are able to rise above every circumstance and every situation. Even as I elevated my servant Joseph in a nation for the saving of a nation, I want to bring divine grace to my people so that not, not just nations can be saved, but entire cities, regions, churches, denominations, and networks for the glory of God. I'm granting divine wisdom to my people so that my beauty and prominence will be displayed in all the earth and in all things. That's what I mean. What I mean by the human need, the human need is to find solutions to answers that the world is trying to answer. I was in uh, Romania several weeks ago, and I, I, actually it was like a Saturday, two weeks ago, we were doing this seminar, and I said, the human need is for the kingdom of God. The human need is for what can only be found in God. And in the beauty that he gave humanity at the beginning of creation. And that's why every philosophy out there is looking to meet that human need. And so I, I said to one of the guys, they, 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 they're former Soviet bloc. And I said, what did they tell you? When communism came, they said, it's going to be wonderful for us. What are they? They're looking for a human need. But, but really, communism is really impossible because they want you to give all your stuff away without the love of God. That's really impossible. <laughs> so the human need is to meet purpose in the earth. And when you meet purpose, you get them to the question they should be asking. Jesus didn't go, even though he could have, like, hey, guys, I'm the one who's going to fulfill all the prophecies. The human need at the moment was they needed fish. So he displays in the same place that they had caught no fish. Picture of us in the world. Two different systems functioning. He, is, he has been in that same spot all night. What changes it? A word from God. Words govern the world. Throw your net. And, and think about this. This is really important. You have a carpenter telling a fisherman what to do. I'm telling you, I've learned this. What you know sometimes can be a hindrance. Sometimes the toughest people to teach about godly things are people who are doing really well. I really admire people who are doing well and then give things to God. And they totally switch the philosophy by which they're doing things. Here's a final thing here. Land the plane. Genesis 39, 1 verse 6. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and a Potiphar, an officer, the captain of the guard of Egypt, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down from there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of the master, the Egyptian. It's a really important verse there in the Bible because you see that his prosperity and success is not connected to the environment that he's in. It's connected to a different system. And even though he is a slave of another man, God is with him. 
and it teaches us that prosperity is an internal reality. Verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. I just pause there. If there were ever was a man who could have lived as a victim, it could have been Joseph. My brother sold me into slavery. Here I am. Get the civil rights attorney. Somebody advocate for me. Let's protest. That's become really popular these days. Let's protest. Somebody get them a job. (laughs) They had a protest against Trump in London this week. But if there was ever someone who could have made himself a victim, it's Joseph. And he's defining the environment that he's in. And it's, we could use a lot of examples, but it's character that positions him to change a nation. Your character will position you to do exactly what God told you to do. Notice, too, that this is another important thing. The master sees that God's hand is upon him. When Dan, you'll see this in Scripture. He, when he interprets the dream for Pharaoh, Pharaoh doesn't go, let me pray about it. The world knows when God is speaking. That's amazing, right? The world system can recognize when God is speaking. Notice, though, how he recognized, he recognized God's hand was on Joseph, prosperity. There's a man who knows how to steward the blessing of the Lord, even though he's a slave. He's not waiting to get a million bucks to give to the building fund. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. I want to prophesy to you that the same favor that we have with God is coming upon the people of God in this season. Then he made him overseer of his house, and he put all that he had under his authority. It's amazing. So it was from that time, he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. I want to tell you that this nation needs to be blessed because of the blessing of the Lord on the people of God. I believe with all his little issues, Donald Trump released a blessing over this nation when he moved that capital to Jerusalem. Why? Bless God's people. And if you don't believe in Israel, just get delivered. Thus he left all that he had in, the, in Joseph's hand and did not know what he, what he had except for bread which he ate. And Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. By the way, a good part of that story is it's likely that Potiphar never believed his wife because there was no legal system then. You mess with my wife, I'll kill you. He didn't kill him. So he probably recognized that his wife was making something up or something was not right. Character sustains a man when he's a slave 
and eventually lifts him up to second in a nation. And then his prophetic gifting came forth. And I want to say that God is not wasting any of your time today. I don't care where you're at. If God spoke to you, the word of the Lord is going to prevail. Just steward whatever is in front of you. Get delivered of whatever you need to get delivered of. If you got issues, we all got issues in this room. The biggest thing about a leader is leaders effectively deal with their issues. Just deal with it. No big deal. Yeah, and don't believe that, that's, don't believe that other propaganda. Just, just tell us. No, you find someone who is confidential that you can tell. <laughs> I've heard leaders say it. Just tell us all. I was like, no, no, please. I've met some of these people. <laughs> Sorry, I went over. You receive this word. Father, thank you. We just lift your hands. Father, I bless your people. There's a marking in the spirit this morning. So may you be marked with character. The character of heaven. God, we can't make ourselves right, but you really do a good job. So we're already right with you. So teach us your righteous ways, God. And there is a grace being released in this room to hear the word of the Lord. And I say to you that the purpose of God would be established in your life and there's an accelerating spirit being released to your life. I say that favor is yours, blessing is yours, abundance is yours. By the authority God has given me, I break any mindsets that would ever hinder you from lack. And I say that every good and perfect thing will be established to you. Though you walk through difficult things, it shall not overcome you. Though depression come upon you, I break its power. And I loose you to the fullness of everything that God has called you to walk in. And I bless you today. I bless all the time you've put in to be a part of this. And may, may your voice change your family's destiny, change your city's destiny. And may you learn how to co-labor with the Lord to create the world that you live in. May you know all the days of your life that you're loved and graced by your Father in heaven. Amen. 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 Hey, John, that coffee shop, next three years, take it off! Whoa, as never before. John, the Lord says, don't look at even what you're looking right in front of you right now. Did I not call you? Have I not spoken? Revisit the word of the Lord and begin to declare it even then over the next 30 days and begin to watch it turn around in what I'll do. I want to quickly introduce my dear friend, Pastor John Heiss. We've had so much fun in other nations. We're connected. You're like my big brother, man. I mean... There's times we were at a conference and I'll go, hey, John, I'll take the first 40 minutes. I won't tell him anything. And he just picks up where I left off. And so uh, I want you to welcome God's dear friend, Pastor John Heiss.